Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different grape varieties, the different regions, and the history and culture of wine. In this episode, we're going to look at Merlot, a black grape variety which takes its name from the French word for blackbird, Merle. It is the most planted grape variety in France, and therefore very important, and planted in many other regions around the world as well. However, it is much maligned because it can produce very fruity, high alcohol, quite simple wines and quite soft wines as well at very low prices. And that, of course, is the stigma that it got attached to it uh, with the film Sideways, most famously. But that was a result or even a consequence of the fact that in the 1990s, a lot of producers in the States were making very simple, easy drinking Merlot at very low prices, which really damaged the reputation. Likewise, in France, given that it's the most planted grape variety, there's a lot of inexpensive wine being made, especially in Languedoc and other mass volume areas, and that doesn't do any service to Merlot either. However, the reasons for this are no different from any other grape variety, really. It's about planting it on the right soils, treating it correctly in the vineyard, limiting yields, and producing high-quality wine by um, work in the winery with oak and longer ageing, which can result in a very high-quality wine. And just likewise, if you encourage high yields, plant it on the wrong soils, don't really do anything in the winery to make it any more complex, then you end up with a simple, inexpensive wine. And that doesn't make Merlot particularly different from a lot of other grape varieties. It's just that Merlot ripens a little bit earlier, which makes it easier to work with but not necessarily easy to make great wine from. One of the ironies of Sideways is that Miles, the main character who says he won't drink Merlot, also uh, doesn't like Cabernet Sauvignon because it says so boring that anyone can make great wine from it, something which I have some sympathy with, but that didn't damage Cabernet Sauvignon's reputation. He also dismisses Cabernet Franc, saying it's impossible to make interesting wine out of Cabernet Franc, something I definitely do disagree with. And of course, the irony is at the end, he drinks um, Petrus from the 1960s out of a paper cup, which is 50% Cabernet Franc and 50% Merlot, and does so with great reverence. So what's in a name? So what is Merlot? It is a natural crossing of Cabernet Franc and a random grape variety, which was found outside um, a grandmother's house, I think in Bordeaux or in southwest France, which they they named because it actually had no name as Madeleine Noir. And so that's the only evidence of Merlot's parentage, these random vines outside someone's house. But Cabernet Franc is one of the definite parents, which is key um, to all these great varieties, because it's also the parent of Cabernet Sauvignon as well. Merlot does have difficulties in the vineyard because it is susceptible to spring frost, because it buds a little bit earlier than Cabernet Sauvignon, which means vintages can be lost. And if vineyards are hit by frost just after bud break, that's actually something that's happened in France um, this year, 2021. Lots of frost, though I don't know if Bordeaux has been hit. It's more Burgundy Champagne and the Northern Rhone, I think. It is also susceptible to couleur, which is when the fruit does not set. And so you can have berries within the bunch where um, you have proper berries, which, are, which is where the flowers have turned into berries or fruit, but then others which have not, so you can see these little flowers which just haven't developed. And that can um, damage le- damage yields, also damage quality, and it depends what's happening in the winery. If sorting is happening, then it may not be too much of an issue, but if sorting is limited, then some of these um, non-developed 
flowers may actually find their way into the wine, which make it a little underripe and weedy. But those are minor disadvantages for Merlot, because the big advantage is that in Bordeaux it ripens two weeks earlier than Cabernet Sauvignon. And because Bordeaux has a maritime climate, which has moderate temperatures, getting Cabernet Sauvignon ripe can be very tricky. And so having that backup of Merlot is very important to ensure that you do have a vintage and the proportion of Merlot is going to change from year to year according to the ripeness levels of Cabernet Sauvignon. So in a difficult year then might, where there's a wet autumn there might be more Merlot in the blend and a really good year where it's very warm and dry there might be less Merlot in the blend and that's where second and third wines come into play so you can play around with the grapes that the producer has to um, alter the blend according to the vintage. So although Merlot is extremely important on the right bank, on the left bank it is important as well. These are Cabernet Sauvignon dominated wines though it's not unusual to see a limitation of around 55% Cabernet Sauvignon with the rest of it made up with Merlot, especially for kind of the mid-ranking Cru Bourgeois wines. There's a much greater understanding, as I um, recorded in my pod- podcast on Bordeaux last year, about where to plant Merlot and where to plant Cabernet Sauvignon. So on the left bank, Cabernet Sauvignon should be on the gravel soils, which is something that's been widely accepted for a long time because it has heat retention, but they're also well draining. Cabernet Sauvignon's vigour needs to be limited, so those gravel soils are ideal, and it's really on the left bank that where you find them, although there are pockets on the right bank as well where Cabernet Sauvignon might just be able to ripen. Merlot, on the other hand, prefers heavier soils like clay, and these soils can be found on the left bank, and so planting Cabernet Sauvignon on the gravel soils, Merlot on the clay soils, really leads to a much more complex and balanced wine, which really um, reflects the growing conditions, which are ideal for either grape variety. Whereas in the past, uh, growers and producers were just planting vines where they had space, where they felt like, and weren't really monitoring the soil, the soils and the relationship between the soils and the grape varieties. So it was a much better understanding, which hopefully will make Bordeaux more consistent from year to year in terms of style and in terms of quality. Before we get to the right bank in Bordeaux, Merlot is planted all over the Entre-de-Mer, which is the central region of Bordeaux, which means between the two seas, or the two bodies of water, the River Garonne and the River Dordogne. And Entre-de-Mer itself is a white wine-only appellation. And that's because when these appellations were created, white wine was far more important and dominant in Bordeaux than red wine. It was only in the 1950s and 60s onwards that red wine began to become the most important style of wine in Bordeaux. Now it's 90%, but it's only of all of all Bordeaux wine. But it's only in 1969-70 that red wine became the majority of uh, wine made in Bordeaux. And so Andre de Mer, once upon a time, would have been planted to lots of Semillon and quite a bit of Sauvignon Blanc. Now it's planted to lots of Merlot. And in general, Bordeaux is 62% or there or thereabouts Merlot. So nearly two-thirds of all plantings in Bordeaux are of Merlot. And so this vast region in the middle is kind of quite heavy clay soils, which are well suited to Merlot, but not very interesting wines. And this is a lot of the basic Bordeaux AC that you will find on the market, which is inexpensive and not that exciting. Also, Bordeaux Supérieur may come from around this region where the grapes get a bit riper, alcohol a little bit higher, and the quality a little bit higher as well. There are lots and lots of appellations in Bordeaux, some of which specialise in white wine, some in sweet wine, and a lot in red wine. And so the um, Côte de Bordeaux is a series of appellations running along um, 
the Garonne from north to south, like Bourg and Bly and Cadillac, where there'll be um, slightly higher quality red wine with a basis of Merlot with some Cabernet Sauvignon and Cabernet Franc as well, a bit more substantial, a bit more weight to them. But where Merlot really shines is on the right bank, so this is on the edges on the northern side of the river Dordogne. So famous appellations like Saint-Emilion and Pomerol. And here, the soils are more clay and limestone, and therefore ideal for Merlot, because those heavier soils really allow allow access to water, which Merlot needs, and you get extra ripeness, which is the style of wine that Merlot excels in, where alcohol can be 14% or more. And these wines will be quite plush and quite ripe. Although in Pomerol especially, there are pockets of gravel soils where Cabernet Franc uh, works really well. And so some of these wines will have maybe 80% Merlot, 20% Cabernet Franc, just to give that extra tannic structure, a little bit extra herbaceousness, extra red fruits. For more information on these appellations, listen to my podcast on Bordeaux, where I talk about them in more detail. But we have Pomerol, which is really plush and ripe and intense, expensive. North of Pomerol is Lalonde de Pomerol, which is a really good value alternative. And then east of Pomerol is Saint-Emilion, which um, is a little more varied in quality. Again, Merlot dominant. There are some good Saint-Emilions, there are some very good Saint-Emilions, and then there are some outstanding Saint-Emilions, really depending on the producer and the site and the location. There's a lot of variation within Saint-Emilion, according to soil types, according to aspect, according to um, proximity to water as well. And then there are the satellite appellations of Saint-Emilion, which produce less intense, less full wines, but which can be very good value. And a lot of the style of these wines does depend on the producer, how much new oak is going to be used, um, or how little new oak is going to be used, and whether it's stainless steel, cement, or concrete. So there's a lot of different factors going in to the styles of Merlot being made in these high-quality regions, which is why we shouldn't think of Merlot as a uniform, monolithic grape variety. It can be on its own, it can be in blends, it can be made in different ways, and it will express the terroir just as any other quality grape variety will do. So just in that overview of Bordeaux, without going into too much detail, we can see that Merlot has been used in different ways in different appellations. So that's why people should really readjust their opinion of Merlot if if they do have a negative one. This really does reflect um, where it comes from in many different ways. In the rest of France, Merlot is going to be found in neighbouring Bergerac, which produces similar styles to Bordeaux, but it's a little bit warmer. So it might be more of, a, more of a blend between Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon. And then going down into Languedoc, where single varietal Merlot might, might be made or used in blends. And there is Merlot found across southwest France, used as part of blending. In Languedoc, often the wines are going to be quite simple and expensive, grown on fertile soils, which gets the grapes ripe very easily without building up complexity, which is again where part of the bad reputation of Merlot comes from. If you're ever on an aeroplane, and it's been a while since I've been on one, often there's little bottles of red wine that you get served on Merlot from Languedoc, which are quite simple and fruity, soft tannins, and quite cheap, it has to be said. Merlot can also be used in Cahors, for instance. Cahors is a region which has to be 70% Malbec, but 30% of it can be Merlot or Tanat. Not used as much as it used to be, Merlot was used to bulk up the wine, give it a bit more fruit, give it a bit more alcohol in a region where it's historically quite tricky to get Malbec fully ripe. 
But again, like Bordeaux, producers have figured out where to plant Melbeck, how to get it ripe, how to express the different soil types and the different aspects. So Merlot's used for the more inexpensive wines just to give a bit more body and weight. Elsewhere in Europe, in northern Italy, Merlot is very common. Again, often for inexpensive fruity wines. It is, of course, not indigenous to Italy, but it is one which is quite widely planted in the, Ven- in the Veneto for that fruitier style of wine, something that doesn't necessarily reflect the terroir of Italy, but which will make growers and producers quite a bit of money. In contrast to that, in Piemonte, one of my favourite producers, Marchese di Grezzi, makes an absolutely fabulous Merlot, which is aged for six or seven years in used oak barrels, and which is actually relatively inexpensive, about $20, and which has everything good about Merlot and just having that age to it as well. So there is that tradition in Italy for different levels of quality for Merlot. And there are, of course, the Super Tuscans, which are made with Sangiovese, but with also with Bordeaux varieties, such as Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon, and also to a certain extent Syrah. But it's actually Merlot that I think works the best in these Super Tuscans. Cabernet can be a bit harsh and a bit too tannic, whereas the Merlot just has this real good balance between a tannic structure, which is firm and gripping, with a nice softness to it as well, a nice fruitiness, but with high acidity, and the plushness that you expect from Merlot, which balances really well with the red fruits of Sangiovese, if it's in that blend. So I do think, and again, we're going back to that reputation of Merlot not being the highest quality, which I think is wrong, If people realise that Merlot produces these really fantastic wines, I think it'd be much more widely planted in Tuscany than than maybe it already is. Whereas Cabernet Sauvignon has this high reputation, but I think Merlot is much more interesting in Tuscany than Cabernet Sauvignon and certainly than Syrah, which is not to dismiss those varieties. It's just about what works in what places. And it is found in other countries in Europe as well. Um, it is planted in Germany, though I've never tried a German Merlot. One day I hope to do so, just out of interest. And then in Spain, you might find Merlot as a very small part of a traditional blend. So in Priorat, it's mainly going to be Garnacha and Carignana, but then Merlot, as well as Cabernet Sauvignon and Malbec and Syrah, can be added to the blend in small proportions, just to balance the, the wine, maybe add some fruit and some nice tannic structure as well because Garnacha can be um, a little light in tannins. And then also in Ribera del Duero, that's another region where the wines can be 10% Cabernet Sauvignon, Malbec or Merlot in a blend with Tempranillo just to add some black fruit and tannic structure, but in small proportions. But there are Bordeaux blends made in Spain, though not that common to find outside of the country. So moving to the New World, so to speak, and here in the United States, Washington was the first region to really proclaim itself as the Merlot state. They make lots of other good wines too, including Cabernet Sauvignon, but they realised there was no point in competing with California and Napa Valley. So back in the early 90s, they made Merlot the signature grape variety. And then, coincidentally, as the 60 Minutes documentary broadcast by CBS was um, released in 1991, which documented that the French live very long and very healthy lives despite drinking lots of wine and not living what would seem to be a healthy a healthy lifestyle. And as Merlot was the most planted grape variety in France, that grape variety suddenly became very popular in the US and Washington was already well-placed to exploit that new popularity as the Merlot state in the US. And so Washington Merlot became very popular. 
The problem was was that um, the consumers were not looking for high-quality Merlot, of which there was um, plenty being made in Washington. Instead, they were looking for the $5 medicinal Merlot. And so Washington producers reacted to that and started making pretty inexpensive, average, everyday drinking wines, which people were gl- drinking by the class, just for their health benefits. So by the time we come round to Sideways in 2004, the reputation of Merlot had really fallen from being a wine that had these health benefits to actually not making very good wine at all, which is just a reflection of uh, consumer habits and producers, the style of wines that they were making. And so Washington had to distance itself from Merlot a little bit. No longer promotes Merlot as the signature great variety of the state, but there is plenty of very good Merlot made in Washington, which just balances the uh, acidity and tannins of Europe with the fruitiness of California. Washington, at its best, is a nice crossover between the two. And then, of course, there is California. Before the French paradox, in the 1980s, there wasn't that much Merlot planted in California. One of the big Merlot producers was Duckhorn, which still um, rests its reputation on being a premium Merlot producer. But after the French paradox in the 1990s, lots of producers started to plant Merlot, again, of very differing levels of quality. There is some fantastic Merlot made in Napa Valley, as well as um, in Sonoma County, and also going down to Santa Cruz Mountains and into Paso Robles. But there is not the demand for it that there once was, which means that, unfortunately, a lot of the top producers are um, distancing themselves from Merlot and either disguising it as part of a blend or just not really making it at all. Merlot is used in a lot of Cabernet Sauvignon dominant blends, just softening the wines and making it a little more fruity and approachable. Merlot on its own, when you do find it, has a really nice fruitiness to it, firm tannic structure, high acidity, and actually quite difficult to differentiate from Cabernet Sauvignon. More plum-based aromas rather than black currant, but not necessarily that easy to distinguish in a blend. Uh, Frog's Leaper is one producer in Napa Valley which makes an extremely good age-worthy Merlot. Um, Arietta is another one at a more expensive price point. Uh, Paradigm is another one too. And then going down into Santa Cruz Mountains Ridge, occasionally make a single vineyard Merlot from the Montebello site, which um, can be extremely serious. They do that according to the vintage. So lots of good Merlot potentially made in California, but not favourable to consumer uh, tastes, which is unfortunate. Another US region worth noting is Long Island in New York, which may not have the same international credibility that many California regions do, but actually produces very good Merlot. There's an Atlantic climate, maritime, so not dissimilar to Bordeaux's. Vintage variation there is extreme. In a bad vintage, Long Island, Merlot and other wines can be really bad. In a good vintage, or a great vintage, the wines really do excel. These wines are are worth kind of keeping an eye out on, because I do think the Merlot there is very good. There's some Cabernet Sauvignon planted, but again, like many areas of Bordeaux, getting Cabernet Sauvignon ripe is quite difficult. 
whereas Merlot is much more reliable because it's earlier ripening, therefore avoiding the, not just the autumn rains, but even autumn storms or hurricanes. And it produces wines which have a really nice fruitiness to them and a tannic structure that aren't too soft, but just have that firmness to them, which really represent the best styles of Merlot that are made across the world. And so I would connect Long Island to Bordeaux, but also to Uruguay as kind of a Bermuda Triangle across the Atlantic Ocean. So not always um, consistent or the best, but when it works, Long Island Merlot is absolutely superb. Going down into the Southern Hemisphere, we have Chile. So Chile made its reputation in the 1990s internationally through selling um, Merlot which was inexpensive, good value, fruity, approachable. But it turned out a lot of those wines were actually made from Carmenere. The producers weren't actually sure what was Merlot and what's Carmenere. They thought it was all Merlot in the 1990s and realized quite a bit of it was actually Carmenere, which is quite a different grape variety, also originating from Bordeaux, but more tannic and also more herbaceous and more green and a bit more like Cabernet Sauvignon than Merlot. Kind of always surprised that people would make that confusion between Merlot and Carmenere because they really do taste quite different. And so uh, Chile still has a bit of an, an image issue in promoting their wines and the confusion about Merlot and Carmenere is uh, emblematic of that. Going across the Andes to Argentina, um, so some good Merlot made in Mendoza, but kind of gets lost compared to Malbec for sure, also to, compared to Cabernet Sauvignon. But again, planting Merlot in the right location at the right elevation, because Mendoza is all about um, altitude, and just getting Merlot ripe at the right time, prolonging the growing season, but not making it too long, just to get that balance between fruit, tannin, and acidity. But where in South America Merlot really shines is Uruguay, which is one of my favourite countries. The signature grape variety there is Tanat, and that's because um, partly due to um, Basque immigration in the 19th century. It's also because Tanat has uh, thick skins, which makes it resistant to rot, which is an important issue in Uruguay's maritime climates, which is quite similar to Bordeaux's. But given that Uruguay's climate is quite similar to Bordeaux's, it's no surprise that Merlot really excels in Uruguay. And having spoken to producers and wine industry insiders in Uruguay, there's no doubt that they believe that Merlot is the, is the black grape variety that really makes the best red wine. Similar in style to the right bank in Bordeaux. So fruity and slightly plush, but with nice firm tannins and not too big or, or too overpowering. Uruguay, unfortunately, is a small country overshadowed by neighbouring um, Argentina in terms of wine production, as well as in other many, many cultural aspects. It's also difficult to promote Merlot-based wines because it is unfashionable, unfortunately, across the world, whereas Tanat is a bit more unique and more of a signature grape variety, but I do believe that Merlot is the best style of red wine being made in Uruguay. In South Africa, moving across the Atlantic Ocean, there's certainly some single varietal Merlot being made there which is usually going to be at a cheaper price point. Merlot is generally more likely to be found in blends, maybe a dominant part of a blend in Stellenbosch. For example, de Torin make a, a Merlot-based blend, which is quite expensive, but more likely to be part a minor part of a blend with Cabernet Sauvignon and other Bordeaux varieties. I have to say I find that the, the wines made from Rhone varieties in South Africa a bit more interesting than Bordeaux varieties. Likewise, in Australia, where Merlot has never really taken hold, 
For example, in Margaret River, which excels in Bordeaux blends, Cabernet Sauvignon is much more important because the soils are gravelly and the climate is maritime and so very similar to the left bank of Bordeaux which is why Cabernet Sauvignon was planted there in the first place it was done after quite a bit of research but to Merlot adding to the blend as it does in the left bank of Bordeaux but not really excelling on its own and this is all about soil type and climate and then finally finishing in New Zealand in Hawke's Bay which is the driest and warmest part of New Zealand on the eastern part of the northern island protected from the maritime climate which the re- most of the rest of the country is subject to and so it being warmer and drier means that Bordeaux varieties can get ripe and there's a few other places in New Zealand where that is the case Waiheke Island is one example which is just north of Hawke's Bay Also in Hawke's Bay, the soils are gravelly, and so again, quite similar to the left bank of Bordeaux. However, it is difficult to get Cabernet Sauvignon ripe here, so there is Cabernet planted, but it's a struggle. And so Merlot is much more reliable, and therefore generally forms the base of Bordeaux blends made in Hawke's Bay. Hawke's Bay Bordeaux blends are going to be a cross between, rather like Washington, but less fruity, between European wines, which have that tannic, acidic structure, and New World wines, which have a fruitiness, ripe fruitiness to them. And um, Hawke's Bay is kind of a cross between those two styles, so not as big and fruity as Australia, but at the same time, not quite as restrained and firm as you might find in Bordeaux. And these wines are A little hard to get here in the US, but really interesting and well worth seeking out, especially as examiners from the WSET or from the Masters of Wine like to test students on them because they're a bit more common in the UK. So lots of different styles of Merlot, from inexpensive and basic and simple and fruity and soft to much more age-worthy, oak-aged, tannic, firm, plush, high alcohol but lots of structure to them and then whether it's used in a blend how it's been aged what soils it's been the grapes have been grown on and where it comes from there's a big difference between a napa valley merlot and a hawks bay merlot and a right bank merlot so Merlot really does express where it comes from just as other great varieties do and one that should be taken much more seriously than it often is so thank you for listening this is matthew and this has been matthew's world of wine and drink